0: And you may be seated. How many people are grateful for an air-conditioned auditorium? Yeah, feels good. How many wonderful people are ready for God's Word? Are you ready? I want to give a shout-out welcome to those that are watching online, uh, people in our city, our province, our nation, and around the world that join in every Sunday morning to become a part of this worship experience Well, we are in a summer sermon series that we have simply called Cultivate, and we're exploring the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're wondering where the fruit of the Spirit are mentioned, they're mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and verse 23, where Paul is writing to a church in Galatia, and he talks not about the gifts of the Spirit, but here he talks about the grace of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And on the first Sunday, we looked at love. And then last Sunday, we looked at joy. And today, we want to explore the fruit of the Spirit called peace. Peace is an amazing word. I really believe that God has something that he wants to impart to each and every one in this place on the theme of peace. And we want peace to be cultivated in our life. We want that to be characterized in our life and lived out in our life. So I invite you to pull out your sermon notes, pull out your Bible, pull out your handheld device, I'm going to walk you through a whole bunch of scriptures this morning as we explore the theme today of peace. The first thing I want to offer to you is the ancient Hebrew word for peace is shalom. So let's pretend that we're ancient people, we're Jewish people, and we're living way back, and we're going to together say the word shalom. Can we do that? Are you ready? One, two, three, Shalom. And when you greeted someone years ago in that ancient Hebrew Jewish culture, you would actually say the word Shalom. I want to tell you what the word Shalom actually means, and it's an amazing definition, and it actually becomes foundational to this message. Write this in your notes. Shalom means order. Shalom means well-being. There's a sense of an order in your life. There's a characteristic of well-being. It's like there is a firm foundation that you are walking on. You ever had shoes where the sole was wearing off, and they're sliding, and they're slippery, and I had a pair of shoes like that, and I was in a hospital a few weeks ago, and my shoes slipped, and up in the air I went, back on my back I went. It was a little embarrassing. I'm okay. But you need good shoes to have a firm foundation, and shalom is like a firm foundation. It's when you live in an obedience to God, and you have an assurance That he's in control no matter what. That there's an order in your life. There's a a sense of well-being. So let me me unpack that for a moment and take you to two scriptures that I love. The first scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 48. And it's verse 17 and verse 18. And then in verse 22. And I really think it explains to me and to you this Hebrew word shalom of order and well-being. Let's look at verse 17. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God. Now note this, who teaches you what is best for you. How many people are glad that God is our teacher and he teaches us what is best for us? Then he says, who directs you in the way you should go. Now note this, he teaches you and he guides you and he directs you. Now look at verse 18, if, if only... If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace or your shalom would have been like a river. Now note this, your well-being, interesting, the words, well-being, like the waves of the sea. You might know the ancient hymn, it is well with my soul. And you remember the verse in there, when peace like a river attendeth my way. I'm pretty convinced that the writer of that hymn formed that hymn from this great passage of Scripture. And Isaiah is saying, God teaches you, He guides you, He directs you, and if you obey my commands, this shalom will be like a a flowing river. It'll be like the waves that keep flowing and rolling. I don't know about you, but I want the peace of God flowing ongoingly, 24-7 in my life. No matter what, anybody with me this morning on that? I don't want peace just on Sunday morning. I want peace Sunday night. I want peace Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I want it to be like an ongoing river. I want you to jump down to verse twenty-two, where Isaiah said, "There is no peace, or there's no shalom," says the Lord, for the wicked. There's a connection of obeying God, of living by His commands. Letting him lead you and guide you. And shalom is like, again, let me say it, a firm foundation, an order, a well-being. That no matter what, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. you ever met somebody that said to you, I, I'm, I'm at peace about this. I, I sense God's peace over my life. All is well with my soul. That's because there's an assurance, a firm foundation. Let me take you to another great scripture, Judges chapter 6. And you might remember a man named Gideon. Just so I know you're awake, everybody say Gideon. One, two, three. Gideon. This is a time when the Midianites were attacking the Israelites. And it's harvest season. And they're devastating the crops. And they're, they're just taking over the land. And everybody's walking in fear. And here's Gideon. He's a fearful man. And he's down in the wine press underground and he's threshing his wheat just trying to get enough wheat to make a loaf of bread for his family and he's afraid and an angel of the Lord shows up and calls him mighty warrior I got a feeling Gideon said who are you talking about me I'm a mighty warrior I don't feel like one and he's just scared and fearful of the Midianites let's pick it up in verse 23 and verse 24 of judges 6 but the Lord said to him peace or shalom. (laughs) I mean, those are the same words that Jesus said to the disciples when he was in an upper room and he showed up to them. He said, peace be with you. Those are the same words that he said when when he's in a boat and the storm is raging. Pastor Brad, you led the song and he said, shalom or or peace. And and the angel of the Lord said to Gideon, peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. Look at verse 24. So Gideon builds an altar to the Lord. And he calls the altar, the Lord is peace. And the ancient Hebrew word is Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. And to this day it stands. Have you ever wondered how, how can Gideon build an altar and call it Jehovah Shalom when there's trouble in the land and when the Midianites are attacking and, and it's, it's a bad day? I'll tell you why. Because peace is not the absence of trouble in your life. Peace is the presence of God by His Spirit in your life that gives you a foundation, that gives you a security, that gives you a well-beingness, that gives you an order that even though everything is going wrong, I'm going to be alright because God is in charge of my life. He will never leave you. Come on, church. He will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. He has got your back. He is covering you. He knows what he is doing. When it doesn't make sense, trust the heart of God Almighty. Order, well-being, shalom. So with that in mind, let me walk you through the teaching today. I want to start with number one, three experiences of peace that you need in your life. Three experiences experiences of peace. The first experience I simply want to call peace with God. And I have a question for you. Have you made your peace with God? It is a spiritual experience. Was there a time, a place, a moment that you asked Jesus Christ into your life? You were not always a follower of Christ. Just because mom and dad Read the Bible to you doesn't mean you've made your peace with God. It is a personal decision for you to ask Christ in your life. If today was the day that you died, do you know that you're going to heaven? You may be sitting here today or watching on live streaming, and you don't know if you're ready for heaven. At the end of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make your peace with God through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Look at the screen. Therefore, since... We've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way to the Father, and it's through Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He is the answer to life's problems. When you accept Him in your life by faith, you now have peace with God. It is a spiritual experience. The second experience, number two, is the peace of God. It is an emotional experience. I mean, the devil wants to attack your mind. Anxiety is rampant in believers' lives. Chaos is rampant. And the devil wants to take peace away from your life. He wants you to be marked and filled with anxiety and fear and worry. He wants you to be troubled in the midst of your situation. But but God wants to give you a peace over your mind. I remember when Pastor Jeremy was here, he used to sign his emails, peace on your melon. And the first time I read that, I'm going, what is he talking about? Your melon, your melon. Peace on your melon. And let me read to you a couple of scriptures, Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah said, you, referring to God, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, because they trust in you. I want to ask you a question today. Are you trusting God with your life problems? Have you released your problems to God? When you try to control your life, you will walk in fear and anxiety. But when you release your life to God, you can trust Him with what you're walking through. You can have it as well in my soul. You can have that perfect peace Over your mind. Isaiah says, He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And then there's Philippians 4, verse 7. I love this verse. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace is like a guard. The shalom of God guards your mind and guards your heart. There might be chaos. There might be trouble. There might be sickness. There might not be enough dollars in the bank to pay the bills. There might be trouble in the home. There might be problems in the marriage. There might be trouble in the workplace. There might be difficulty in your life. But I've got my peace because I've got a peace that passeth all understanding. I've got the shalom of God that's on my mind. And the shalom of God guards your mind and guards your heart. How many people are glad for the shalom of God that can be over you and cover you the only way I can explain it you feel like you're enveloped in peace you feel like you're covered in peace there might be trouble and chaos but but peace is not the absence of trouble, let me say it again it's the presence of God by His Spirit somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord, come on, to the Lord God Almighty so number 1 we 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 just highlighted peace with God a spiritual experience. Number 2 a peace of God an emotional experience. But I want to camp for a few moments on number 3 cuz this is where honestly the rubber meets the road. This is where you allow your, your 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 vertical connection with God to be translated into your horizontal relationships with others. It's peace with others. It's a relational experience. It's when there's shalom in your home. It's when there's peace in your marriage. It's when there's peace in your family. It's when there's peace in your neighborhood. Peace at your workplace. Peace with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. So let me, let me offer to you some very challenging scriptures. The first one is Romans 12, verse 18. Paul said, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at shalom with everyone. Now, some of you have just shut me down and go, it's not possible. Now, now there's a verse that teaches us all things are possible with God. I said all things are possible with God. I mean, if you want to walk in the natural, it's not possible. But the fruit of the Spirit is a supernatural spirit work. And if it's a supernatural spirit work, the supernatural Spirit of God can bring supernatural power and shalom. So it is possible with God. Some of you today, you, you've shut it down. And you go, well, it's not possible. You don't know the person I live with. You don't know what my dad's like. You don't know what my... You don't, you don't know. Now, this message is not about the other person... This message is about you. Are you hearing me today? I don't want you nudging and elbowing the person beside you today. I don't want you to take notes and say read them and give them to your want sp- I, I, This message, I'm in your face this morning. Aren't you glad you came to church? This message is about you. If it is, put it on the screen again please. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Have you done all that you can? And even when you've done all that you can, there's more that you can do through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not over. It's not finished. God wants shalom in your relationships. Romans chapter 14, verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace, shalom, and to mutual edification. Maybe there's more that you can do that you've not seen. And I really believe there is more that you can do. This is not about their actions. This is about your actions. This is not about their reactions. This is about your reactions. And I believe it is possible through the supernatural power of the living God. I think the devil, in fact, I know that the devil's trying to destroy marriages in this place. I know that the devil's trying to destroy relationships with moms and dads, sons and daughters. I know that the devil's trying to destroy relationships between brothers and sisters in Christ and I'll tell you today I'm exposing that and I'm declaring today that God wants to cultivate shalom in our relationships it is possible through the supernatural power of God you think it's impossible with God all things are possible so I want to unpack that today I want to unpack this so let me give you one more verse before I give you the practice of the teaching in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 it's an interesting verse. It's, it's part of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peace keepers. Is that, is that what it says? No, no, no. Blessed are the peace makers. Makers making peace for they will be called children of God. Now I'm going to ask you a question. I think I know the answer but allow me to ask it so I can see you answer it. How many people want to be called a child of God? Come on, how many people want to be called a child of God? A child of God is a peacemaker. It's a peacemaker. So let me take you to number 2. And it's going to get a little uncomfortable this morning. I hope that's okay. I'll just block the doors. Don't let anybody out. I believe Holy Spirit wants to do something really rich, really real. And really po- You know, we can come to church and hear a cute little poetic poetic poem, nice little homily, we could show up this morning and sing a cute few songs, or we can have an encounter with the divine living God, I don't know about you, I want an encounter with the divine living God, and I believe God wants shalom to be released in this place. So I want to I talk to you today for a couple of moments, how to, how to live, how to walk, how to flesh out this peace, and we're going to build it on an acrostic of the word peace, How to have well-being and order, a firm foundation and assurance that God's in control. How can we practically live out, especially this number three, peace with others, uh, this relational experience of peace. Number, Number one, the letter P. Plan a peace meeting. You're going, well, that's really profound, Mark. Somebody once said, time heals all wounds. Time doesn't heal wounds. You've got to take a step You've got to take an active step. You've got to go in the right spirit. You've got to go in the right attitude. You've got to go with a heart that's broken and humble. You've got to take an initiative step, and it's hard work. So let me give you a couple of verses that have convicted me. Matthew 5, 23, 24 Jesus said these words. It's written and read in your Bible. Therefore, this is verse 23, Matthew 5. If you're offering your gift at the altar, let me give you a modern translation. You're at a nine o'clock worship service at Woodvale Pentecostal Church. And you remember that your brother or sister doesn't mean your biological brother, your biological sister, though it could mean that. It might mean someone in the church, might mean a family member has something against you. Leave your gift there. In front of the altar. You see, Jesus is teaching us what true worship is. I mean, we can show up this morning and lift our hands and go, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But we got a true worship. It's not just exuberance. It's living out your faith. Jesus says, leave your gift at the altar. Leave the worship. Go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. How about Matthew eighteen fifteen? If your brother or sister sins, I mean, there's something they did to hurt you. They said something or they didn't do something and, and it's aching inside you. Go, point out their fault. And now you've got to couple that with other scriptures. You don't show up and go, you were wrong. You hurt me. Get it right. Don't do that. That doesn't work. He said, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you've won them over. When I'm preparing couples for marriage, I always walk through some conflict resolution skills. And I encourage couples to take one night a week to deal with their conflicts. And I'll tell you why. When you don't, conflict becomes a wall. And there's bricks of hurt and offenses. And the wall gets big. Why not deal with the offenses one at a time? And I encourage them to take one night a week and and maybe the first night, the first week, It's the lady's job to bring the offense. And maybe the next week, the guy can bring the offense. You can't bring two offenses. You can't bring three. You you just bring one. If you want to overwhelm your spouse, unbarrel all the hurts at once. They will shut down. You bring one offense, one hurt. And when you bring the offense and the hurt, you specifically share what it is. But here's the nugget of truth. You then share how you've contributed to the hurt. If you want your spouse or the other person to get defensive, only make it about them. But when you share how you've contributed to it, it brings down the walls of defense. Number one, you've got to plan a peace meeting. It's going to be hard work. Don't wait. The longer you wait, the harder it will become. There's too many people I know that haven't talked to mom or dad for 20 or 30 years. There's too many people where it's gone on so long that when you ask them what the issue is, they don't even remember anymore. How many people believe we need to live out the shalom teaching today? And it's not going to be easy. And you might have to put out an olive branch. You might have to take an initial step. And you need, you need to plan a peace meeting. But then there's number two. And number two, here it is. Empathize with their feelings. Empathize with their feelings. I've, I've only had the privilege to be on one cruise. Well, then again, is the ferry boat to Newfoundland considered a cruise? (laughs) Because if it is, I've been on many cruises. Many cruises. And when I'm on the ferry boat to Newfoundland, or the one cruise we've been on, you ever look out the little portal window, and you see what you see of the ocean? I mean, your perspective is your perspective, and it's a valuable perspective, but it's like a portal window in a boat. All you see is what you see, but the ocean is a lot bigger than what you see. Am I right? And when there's a hurt and an offense, you are viewing it through the portal window of your life. All you see is your perspective, and I can promise you there's other perspectives to the story. And sometimes when people come to me for counseling and he's here and she's here and she says he did and he says she did and I tell you they're looking at me like I'm supposed to take sides and agree with him or agree with her. And you know what I say to every couple when they start shooting their anger about each other and want me to solve it? I say I wasn't there! I wasn't there! And I look at the ladies and I'm sure to you it's what happened. And I look at the guy, and I said, I'm sure to you it's what happened. But then I have to give them the illustration of the portal window of the ship, that the ocean is bigger. And maybe there's more to the story. You've heard the expression, his story, her story, and then there's the real story. And it's often somewhere in between. Now, let me, let me show you some scriptures today and give you some teaching. Let, let me show you Philippians 2, verse 3 and verse 4. Philippians 2, verse 3 and verse 4, Paul writes to the church in Philippi to Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't be selfish when you do this. Rather in humility, if you clothe yourself in humility, it's going to go well. Value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And the Greek word that's used here for looking is, is skopos, scopos, S-C-O-P-O-S. It's almost like looking at the the situation from the perspective of the other person. And often when there's a problem, I've discovered the issue is not always the issue. And there's often more grapes to the cluster. And often when someone is spouting out anger, they're speaking from hurt. And we need to empathize with their feelings. 1 Peter 3, 7 and 8, husbands in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partners, heirs of the gracious, gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Romans 15 verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let me give you three nuggets of practical truths so that you can write in your notes. Number one, listen. Listen without lecturing god gave you two ears and one mouth we need to listen twice as much as we speak amen Amen. that was weak Amen. amen when you care you'll be aware and you're going to want to listen listen number two make an effort to understand now that's important because all the time we want to be understood and my teaching this morning is this, and I teach every couple or everyone that's got a relationship breakdown with someone, whether it's a mom or dad, brother sister, or someone in the body of Christ or a neighbor, seek to understand more than being understood. When you're seeking to be understood, you're setting yourself up for failure. Seek to understand over being understood. Oftentimes people say to me, they don't understand me. Seek to understand more than, un, than you being understood. Then number three, focus on the needs of others. Number one, plan a peace meeting. Two, empathy. Empathize with their feelings. So number three, here it is. Oh, man, here's a biggie. Attack the problem, not the person. Amen. Understand we're all on the same team. I got people coming to me and they go, she, referring to the wife, has a problem. Goes. Buddy, you need to hear me. She doesn't have a problem. You together have a problem. You've got to view it in a togetherness. You've got to learn to not attack the person, but attack the problem. When you attack the person, you're setting yourself up for difficulty. Attack the problem. Let me give you a few verses. Ephesians four fifteen. Instead, speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking truth in love. How about Ephesians 4:25? Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for all members of one body. Here's the convicting one. Ephesians 4:29. don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. It's too easy to voice words we should never voice, to say things we regret but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So I want to give you seven practical things that, that, that I've offered, I've seen, I've read this before, and it's good teaching. Here it is. How, how, how can you flesh this out? Number one, never, never, never compare. And I have two stories. One, it was a hot summer day a few years ago, and I, we live in a neighborhood of different cultures. And you got to understand the culture of the people on the one side of us the guys sit on the deck watching the ladies doing all the work. And I see the ladies cutting the lawn, and I see them washing the car. They're doing all the work. And one day I'm outside, and I'm washing the car, and I'm cutting the lawn, and the ladies are outside cutting the lawn, and they're, they're just doing all the outdoor work. And here I am, and they stopped, and they know us well, and they looked at me, and they said, Boy, do we wish we had a husband like you. And I had a real weak moment. And I said, boy, do I wish I had a wife like you. <laughs> and we laughed. We laughed. But let me tell you a story where it wasn't so funny. We were passing in Bowmanville. It was a hot day. And I saw this lady walking home. And I knew where they lived. And I knew she had another mile to walk. And she had bags of groceries and and here I am. And I got this policy. I don't drive alone with another lady in my car. This is my wife, my daughter, my mom, my sister. You get it. But here she is. What do I do? Bye. I pulled over and I called her by name. I said, you know me. I'm your pastor. You know the policy. I'm just going to call Evelyn, let her know. And she gets in the back seat. And I drive her home. And it's all good. And Evelyn's cool. She's cool. She's in the back seat. It's all above board. Everything's fine. Until two days later... The husband comes into my office and said, what, what, what happened? He said, she kicked me out. I said, she kicked you out? I said, well, give me a window. What happened? She said, Pastor, we got into an argument. And then she said these words, why can't you be like the pastor? <laughs> now, this is tough for me to say. And Evelyn, I don't give you the freedom to do this this morning. But if she came on the platform now, she'd tell you the real mark. I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. But when you compare and say, why can't you be like my dad? Why can't you be like this person? It's a recipe, a recipe for no shalom in the home. Don't compare. Number two, never condemn. Never use the words, you never you always I've even caught myself exaggerating that you you never you always and and never 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 use the word you use the word I feel remember the portal window this is how I feel never never compare never condemn and number three please never command sit down and we're gonna talk about this right now that won't go well never command treat each other like you're adults Never command. It will get you nowhere. Number one, never compare. Two, never condemn. Number three, never, never, never command. And, and please, number four, never challenge. Here's a word that we never use in our house. We never use the D word. Divorce. And I've heard people use it so flippantly and frequently. If you don't, I'll leave you if you don't change. I'm out the door if this doesn't. I'll divorce you. I'll spend all the money. I I will I will never challenge. You see, you see, I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you right now what what I see the devil doing, trying to destroy marriage after marriage after marriage after marriage in this church. And I'm being honest and blunt with you today that statistically, if you I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but it's true. Statistically, the divorce rate for unbelievers and believers is almost the same. How many people believe it ought not to be that way for children of God? How many people believe we need to see that tide change and that tide turned? 1986, May the 3rd. In a church in Toronto, when we said, I do, Evelyn and I stepped into a covenant. And somehow we got to get back to marriage is a covenant. It's a covenant. It's not a contract. It's more than a commitment. I've said it many times. It's like crazy glue. Evelyn's the glue and I'm the crazy. <laughs> she stuck with me. I've told her before, you leave me, I'm going with you. Church, we need to get back to the teaching of a covenant. Yeah. And I'm going to share with you a few things in a moment, but let me get finished. Just number one, never compare. Number two, never condemn. Number three, never command. And number four, never challenge. Now, now, if you've got a child, just you don't want them to hear this, just do one of these right now. And I'll, I'll be very gentle as I say this. I'll be very gentle. Because I've seen it. The S, next letter, X, there's a vowel in the middle and it's not I I've seen people use it as a weapon I've seen marriages where it's not a part of their marriage it needs to be a healthy normal part for every married couple yes I said it and I believe that the enemy wants you to use things as a weapon and we need to stop it in the name of Jesus stop the challenge. Number one, never compare, two, never condemn. Number three, never command. Number four, never challenge. And number five, never condescend. Don't don't be the the, the psycho. I know your problem. I know the reason why you got a problem with your dad, it's because this happened. You, you don't have the degree in that to even make that statement. Don't psychoanalyze somebody. Don't pretend you've got all the reasons why. That's arrogance and pride, and it'll mess up the shalom in the home. Number one, never compare. Two, never condemn. Three, command. Never command. Four, never challenge. Five, never condescend. And number six, never contradict. Uh, What do I mean by that? Learn the teaching of active listening. Now, now Evelyn and I are so different. It even happened the other day. And I'm, I'm just a bottom line guy. I don't need many details, but Evelyn loves giving me lots of details. And when she gives me all the details, my eyeballs roll into the back of my head. I, she just loses me. And I'm mean, like, honey, honey, it's just a yes or no. And we learn to laugh at it, but, but active listening, I've done this, where, where I'll, I'll listen to Evelyn, and she'll tell me something, and I'll repeat back to her what, I, what she said, and I'll say, babe, this is what you told me, and I've I got, I got a good memory, so I'll say it word for word, and she'll say to me, no, that's not what I said. You did say that. How many people know sometimes what you say is not always what you mean? I'll tell you the problem. You've got what you've got here and here, and you try to get it out of your mouth into the ears of the other person and into their heart, but who's the prince of the air? The devil. The devil wants to create disunity and dysfunction. And he wants to mess up the airwaves of your words, so that what you say gets lost between your lips and their heart. And I'm here to expose that today. And I pray that you would understand that sometimes your your loved one, your son, your daughter, your spouse, or a brother, sister, in the Lord's going to say something that they never meant, or you might misunderstand what they said. Let's be open to the fact that the devil wants to mess up the words, and we want to pray there be shalom in the name of the Lord. So be aware of it. Be aware of it. I've had people say to me, Pastor, you walked right by me in the foyer. You didn't even say hello. I probably did. I didn't mean to. I'm a high D personality. I'm on a mission. I don't mean to do that. You're hearing me today. Can we not let the devil mess up little things to become an offense in the name of Jesus. Can we pray that there be shalom in the Bible? I love you. You love me. We love each other. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. The one we don't like is the devil. Yeah. He's the one that's our enemy. But greater is Jesus than the devil. Come on, church. Greater is Jesus than the devil. Number one, never compare. Two, never condemn. Three, never command. Four, never challenge. Never condescend. Five, six, never contradict. Seven, never confuse. And I... We're almost done, but, but I, it's like the guy that went to see the counselor and said, my wife, she always gets historical. And the counselor said, you mean hysterical? No, I mean historical. I mean, she just keeps bringing up everything from the past. I want to read to you a story. His name is George. I'm sorry if your name is George. Her name is Sharon. It's a cold winter day. They got company coming over, and Sharon's got company coming, and it's a snowstorm, and Sharon calls George at the office. Hey, company's coming. Bring, drop by the grocery store and bring home some more pork chops. Well, the dude forgot. Come on, have you ever forgot something? And he walks in the door. Hi, dear. What's for dinner? Hello, George. She's stressed. Company's coming. Did you bring home the pork chops? Now, he gets in panic. Oh, no. I guess I forgot. He's starting to panic. The weather was so bad, my mind was just on getting right on home, arriving one piece. Well, she's upset because there's no pork chops. You only had to remember one little bundle of pork chops and you forgot. Sharon's warming up to the topic. I've been working all day to get this house ready for the Browns, and you can't even cooperate by bringing home our dinner. He said, wait a minute now. You talk about Working. I've had a rough day myself trying to keep all those customers happy and the boss off my back. Now, that's the real work. How many people know he's in trouble right now? (laughs) She said, you think I don't work around the house? Your your three kids keep me going from morning to night. (laughs) What do you mean my three kids? You're the one who wanted a large family. Besides, if you want to trade places, I'll stay home. You go to work in that jungle out there. He folds his arm like he has a victory. She says, you don't even appreciate what I do around here. You're, 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 you're as insensitive as, as your father Wes." <laughs> you want to hear the rest? <laughs> you keep my father out of this. George took the bait. At least my dad works for a living. Which is more than I can say about your brother. <laughs> Historical. My brother's not found a career, which is challenging enough. But at least he's bright enough not to forget to bring the meat home for dinner. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe I made one little mistake. But remember last summer? We're on the first day of our vacation, 150 kilometers from home. And you tell me you left the iron plugged in. Don't tell me you're perfect. Sharon's knocked off guard only for a second. Oh, yeah? But what about our honeymoon? You forgot the plane tickets. Right then I knew this was going to be some relationship being married to a yo-yo. That does it. George has had enough. I'm going to find some pork chops. I know there's a blizzard out there. You'll likely get a call from the police telling you that your husband's in an accident. Go ahead, see if I care. Slam. Oh, I wish I could tell you that never happens in the body of Christ. You're having a huge argument and y'all say to me, I can't control myself. And the phone rings and it's me. And you go, hi, pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hi, pastor. Just saying. if it's all possible and it's more possible than you realize as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone I humbly submit to you that there's probably more that you can do to bridge the gap there's probably more and I believe Holy Spirit is going to show you the what. I want to end this sermon with two final things, and our time's going fast, but let us see, cooperate. Cooperate as much as possible. I don't have time to read all those verses, but I've already highlighted Romans 12, verse 18, and you can read James 3, 17, and 18. You can read Psalm thirty seven, thirty seven. You could read them, they're great verses. But I want to give you these true truths I felt I needed to share with you today. and Write this in your notes. Please hear me. If you're wise, you will learn to compromise. There's an expression I've used with our pastoral team many times. Is this a hill you want to die on? And it amazes me what hills people are willing to die on and lose a relationship over. Learn to Compromise when people tell me what the issue is, I'm going, really? You're willing to end a relationship over that? Learn to let it go. Mark and Evelyn are so different. We're so different. Opposites attract. But somehow the devil steps in, and when opposites attract, sometimes a few few years later, it goes from attract to attack. It was a hot Monday. We're in London, Ontario. Monday's my day off. A Heidi personality pastor should never take a Monday off. He'll be the grumpiest guy in the world. She had it with me. And we're in the mall in London, Ontario. And we walk by a store, and Evelyn said, And there is our store. The name of that store is Crabtree and Evelyn. She compliments me. She doesn't complete me. If you're married and you're expecting your spouse to complete you, you've missed it. The only one who can complete you is Jesus Christ. If you feel that your spouse completes you, what does that say to someone who's not married? You're suggesting they're incomplete. The only one who completes you is Jesus Jesus. All right, here's, here's the outcher, and then we're going to wrap it up. Because I've heard this word way too many times, incompatibility. Now, I'm, I'm talking to those who are married, so forgive me. If you're not married, you could just listen. And, because I hear it all the time, we're incompatible. We should never get married. We didn't love each other in the first place. We were too young. I've heard it all. And the divorce courts call it incompatibility. I'll tell you what God calls it, inflexibility. I want you to write this in your notes. The problem is probably not incompatibility. It probably is inflexibility. In fact, here's here's something. Get ready for this, get ready for this. Some people think that the couples that falter the most in their marriage have more conflicts than anybody else. The amount of conflict you have doesn't determine your success or your failure. Because I have people say, we never had a fight. Really? Did you just lie to me? Do you not spend time with them? You've never had... No, never! Then there's no connection. Your success in marriage is not how many conflicts you have, it's how you deal with those conflicts. Inflexibility says, I'm not willing to change. People say to me, how can I turn Mr. Wrong into Mr. Right? By changing yourself, work on you. I want to let that thought sink in. The problem is probably not as much incompatibility, inflexibility. Now, I've got to say this before I conclude. Some people, you're going to email me and say, they're the one that's inflexible, not me. (laughs) Holy Spirit, show us what I need to change. This sermon's not about the other person. It's about you. I want to wrap it up. And there's two words that I often teach, reconciliation and resolution. And I want to encourage you to emphasize reconciliation over resolution. Reconciliation trumps over resolution. Resolution. I don't have time to read those scriptures. Our time is honestly gone, but you can read those verses, but let me give you the points. Number one, reconciliation write this in your notes is to reestablish the relationship. Reconciliation is to re-establish the relationship. and explain it as we close. Resolution is to resolve. Every issue. If you're waiting for every issue to be resolved, for there to be reconciliation in any connection, whether it's father and son, mother daughter, husband wife, brother sister, you'll never, ever, ever resolve every issue. I love when I meet a couple that says, Mark, we're together. Well, we got problems, but we're together. And we're going to work it through. And I want to challenge you to emphasize reconciliation over resolution. I'm done. I want to invite you to stand. In our final few minutes, I feel the spirit of the living God speaking to me. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, the first thing I want to ask is this. Have you made your peace with God? If today was the day that you died, do you know that you know that that you're going to heaven? Have you personally asked Christ to be the center of your life? Have you accepted Him in your life? Have you asked Him to forgive you of your sins? And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, maybe you've never done that before, but today before we walk out, you want to experience peace with God through Jesus Christ. You want to settle the eternity question. You want to be ready for heaven. You want to be led in this prayer. I'm just going to count to three and... After a count to three, if you'd like to be led in this prayer, I want you to lift your hand. If i lifting your hand, you're letting me know, Pastor, I, I, I want to be ready for heaven. I want Christ in my life. I want to be led in this prayer. Here it is. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hands. High as you can. High as you can. Then you can put your hand down after you've done that. You lifted your hand. I want to lead you in this prayer. We're going to join you as you pray. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus. I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins come into my life today i confess you as my savior my lord i make my peace with you in jesus name amen open your eyes put your hands together and celebrate salvation come on and if you pray that prayer in just a couple of moments when we walk out go to the follow wall it's in the lobby we got a bible for you it's free we got a little booklet for you it's free and we want to help you in your new faith walk. But then there's number two number three. And I'm going to couple them together. I, I just feel the Lord saying to me very strongly that there's a lot of people this morning. You're going through stuff. And you need that second level of peace. You need the peace of God to cover your mind and guard your heart. You, you, you're feeling the troubled waters. And you need the river of peace, the river of Shalom to help you so that... You can walk in that place where it's, it's well with my soul. Life's tough, but I'm okay. I, I need a fresh outpouring of his shalom. In just a moment, Brad's going to lead us in the song that he led earlier. and That's you. I want you to come to the front. I want the altar workers to immediately come and make yourselves ready. I, I honestly believe. This is what I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying to me. He's going to flood a river of shalom. I, here's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing like the damn wall is about to break and heaven's going to pour out shalom all over this place. And there's going to be a measure of shalom that's going to come over people today like you've not experienced in a long time. How many people want that shalom? I, I, I just pray God, just flood the shalom. But coupled with that, I feel the Lord saying to me that there's a number of you people here today that you're like, Mark, this message is an ouch to me. I don't have well-being between me and my spouse or myself or my son or my daughter or my brother or my sister or someone else. And I, I, I need the Spirit to help me live out this teaching because I want shalom with others. And I don't even know what it means yet, God, how I can live this out, but I need you to help me. And I want, if that's you, to join those that are going to come to the front who need shalom over their minds or their heart. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate peace in a greater measure. So, Jesus, I pray as Brad sings, and this altar is open, I pray that people would flood right now to this altar. And I pray shalom of God would flow over us, and through us in the name of jesus brad lead us in the song this altar's open if you want prayer come on forward we're going to sing it once before i close and come on forward friends if you need prayer you need shalom over your life over your mind over your heart you need more shalom and in a relationship and you just want someone to pray with you and you step out and come forward as we sing we want to pray for you
1: We'll trust the voice that's speaks. Oh, peace be still. The word, and I will set my feet.
0: I'm going to lead us in a prayer but I, I want to invite everyone this morning if you can do this just to lift your hands to the heavens and I want to pray and after I pray Pastor Brad's going to keep leading in this song and if you need to go go with blessing if you want to stay and worship you feel free God I pray shalom I pray shalom over every mind over every heart God, there's been so many scriptures that that I haven't read, but I pray everyone would read these scriptures this week and you by your spirit would bring these scriptures and these notes to life in the name of the Lord. I pray shalom of God over every mind, over every heart. I pray shalom in every home in the name of the Lord. I pray, God, that there would be shalom over every home in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that there would be a greater release of your shalom in everyone in this place. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I believe that you are cultivating, cultivating more peace. So God, would you do that? God, there's moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas in this place that are agonizing in prayer for a marriage. So now we pray, no weapon formed against marriages would prosper in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that it might look like it's over, but we pray in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, that instead of divorce, there would be restoration and reconciliation in the mighty holy name of Jesus Christ I pray God that you would take these words and germinate them in our hearts and let them be lived out and now we give you praise in Jesus name nobody whispered, everybody said amen come on, nobody nobody whispered everybody shouted amen amen amen, amen. if you need to go, go with God's grace but let's sing as we go